countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Previously on the last thrilling chapter of Young Romance. Drink up, baby. Have another. Mm. The drinks made me choke, but I didn't mean to act like a child. All this time, through the corner of my eye, I could see Stanley Budko's sullen frown directed at us. That made me mad. Come on, Tony. I'll show you how to win at this gambling. This is real fun. I'm a little dizzy. It's the smoke in here. I was getting pretty woozy when the commotion started. The club was being raided. The cops! It's a raid! I can't afford to get mixed up in a thing like this. Let go of me, Tony! Aren't you forgetting something, Scott? Get that hand off of me, Budco. Let that little tramp shift for herself. She's just a pickup. You're a dirty heel, Scott. Bobby called me a pickup. My world was tumbling down upon me when Stanley Budco gathered me in his arms. Keep a grip on yourself, kid. I'll get you out of this. I hope. Hey there, stay where you are! Uh oh, trouble. Uh, uh, what? Sorry, copper, but I can't stop to explain. It was all like a nightmare. I remember driving away with Stanley with the fresh air clearing my dazed senses. I, I heard what Bob called me. Aren't you gonna cry, kid? I'm too ashamed. Good. I can't stand tears. Where do you live, kid? When he brought me home, Granny was waiting up. I knew you'd wind up like this. You're just like your mother. You're no good, Tony. Don't blame the kid, lady. It wasn't her fault. Ah, so this is your mysterious boyfriend, uh, a, a gangster. No wonder you never brought him home. You get off this property, you, you, you hoodlum. Yeah, okay, lady. So long, kid. Don't let him get you down. Get out! Get out! Is Tony nothing more than just a pickup? Will Stanley win her pickup hard? Find out more in the next three pages of Young Romance, designed for the more adult readers of comics. Welcome back to the Valentine's Day edition of The Last Comic Shop. I hope you enjoyed that reading from the classic Golden Age story, I Was a Pickup, from the Young Romance comic series done by the legendary Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. I'm the host with the most, Danny Larson, joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, as always, as well as my wonderful wife, Nicole, for another read pile. Whoa, wait, hold on. I didn't say anything about a read pile. I came to the shop to help you out with that Young Romance thing. I didn't say anything about a book review. I mean, it's Valentine's Day, and I'm your wife of 15 years. Pony up with the romantic date, buddy. Well, and that, that's why I thought that we read A Serious Polyp by Dave Mazzuchelli. You love that book. And besides, look, I got a charcuterie board and I got a wonderful Riesling. No. A decent cheese plate and a bottle of booze while we hang out with your cronies in a comic shop is not my idea of romance. No offense, guys. None taken, Chadrick. You must simply try this smoked gouda. Oh, it is delightful. Indeed, Mr. Scott. 
Nothing says sophistication more than watercrest and summer sausage. See, they're already eating most of the tray anyway. Look, do your show, and I'll be back in an hour. And if you don't come up with those John Mayer concert tickets, I know a certain host with the most that'll be spending the night on the comic shop floor. But, but what about the book? Will Andy be sleeping on the couch this Valentine's Day? Will the mysterious polyp review be condemned to our next clip show? Oh, knock it off. That's not helping. We're in a real pickle here, guys. A charcuterie board pickle. Mm, delightful. <laughs> Serious. I was hoping to have a fourth on, the sh- on this week's show just to help shed some light on this fantastic but often overlooked classic, a mysterious polyp. But where are we going to find another person to help us review this on such short notice? Hey, guys. Hey, George from Shortbox Summary. Hey, hey, Andy, I, I saw your, your wife was leaving just as I was coming in. Wait, wait, when did you guys start serving fancy cheese to your customers? This looks nice. Was that a little pile of Havarti? Got some good chevra going on there? We were going to review this week's book with my wife, so I thought I'd get a cheese plate. Um, I didn't want to serve her just the 30-year-old gum that comes in the Rocketeer trading card packs, but uh, I don't know. She wants me to take her to John Mayer now. Regardless, we had to do this review, and I'm glad you're here, George. Did you happen to read that Asterius Pilot book that we recommended you a couple weeks ago when you were at the shop? I sure did, and am I glad you did. Oh, wow. Would, would you like to stay and, and do the show with us this week? Like, we kind of need a fourth, and if you've read it, like... And we've got lots of cheese. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, comics and camembert? Let's do this, yeah. <laughs> Just just open the windows, please, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, uh, before we begin, uh, George, why don't you tell all of our listeners about your show real quick, Shortbox Summary, as I mentioned, and uh, what you like to do there. I think this kind of fits, because this, this particular book, I think, was released in 2009, and that's kind of your wheelhouse, or what, what you like to do on Shortbox? Yeah, yeah. So Short Puck Summary is a comic book podcast where I go back and take a look at the the books I was reading in high school and college, and I figure out if they were good or if I was in high school and college. And so I, I re-examine them with some cultural context. I talk about the movies, the TV shows, the songs that were coming out, just trying to give listeners a, a broader picture of uh, the circumstances in which we found ourselves reading these books. Well, you with your encyclopedic knowledge, do you happen to know what was released and, and all that stuff around Asterius Polyp? I do, yeah. So this book came out July 7th, 2009. I was uh, going to the movies. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Okay, saw that. Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Saw that on TV. <laughs> Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Still pretty mad about that one. <laughs> was that two or three? That was two. That was the product of the writer's strike. Oh, with the wrecking balls. With the wrecking yes. balls. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hated that. Mm. Did, that wasn't the one with Anthony Hopkins, was it? No, no there was, was the one with Anthony That was Dark Hopkins. of the Moon, I believe. That was the Yeah, they just pulled up a truckload of money and just dumped it on his front porch. And he was like, sure, I'll be in a Transformers movie. (laughs) He's like, like, yeah, this is no The Edge or Micho Black, but I guess I'll do it. (laughs) Uh, Number four is Public Enemies, a movie I'm very sad to say is not particularly good because I love the director, Michael Mann, did like Heat. Is that Johnny Depp as a gangster? It was, and I believe Marion Cotillard also. Yes. 
a little That's bit of a the, bummer. Is that the John Dillinger? It's she's John Dillinger in that, right? Isn't I believe it? so. I only saw it once, and I'll be honest, I fell asleep. I, I was one of those like as soon as it hit Blu-ray, I'm like, I'm there, and then I wasn't. I wasn't there for very long. <laughs> I'm there for snoring. <laughs> I thought you were there too long. <laughs> and number five, the proposal. The Ryan Reynolds, Sandra Bullock rom com. Oh, oh, where they go to Alaska or something, and yeah. Oh, look at J.A. busting out the rom com knowledge. I think is 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 Betty White in that one? Betty she White's, is. Yeah, Betty White's in that one. I saw that one. I saw I saw that one and the first one, whatever the first one you mentioned was. So that's fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> the number one song for July Fourth, the the week before. Uh, was Boom Boom Pow by Black Eyed Peas. Oh, that's a decent With one. Fergie? Yes, and number two was I Got a Feeling by Black Eyed Peas. Also with Fergie? This is where I get a little sketchy with the music uh, once we get into, like, 2009, because I had a car that had, like, a MP3 cable, like a, an audio jack. So I was just listening to my iPod Classic. I didn't listen to the radio for, like, four years until I moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> and I was so sick of my own music. I was like, I, I got to listen to literally anything else. That's right. iPods were the best. It's like, you can carry around thousands of songs, but listen to the same ten over That's and over. exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot of Third Eye Blind. I was, I was a <laughs> Third Eye Blind kid. Yeah, no judgment. No judgment. No judgment at all. We all like that stuff. I liked it. You guys want to hear about the comics that were selling when I do. Given we're a comic book podcast, that would be and serious. Polyp was not selling, so let's see what was selling. It's such a bummer, man. All right, I've got some numbers that are going to astound you. So just for what was coming out comics-wise around this time, the number one selling single issue of the month of July 2009, Captain America Reborn number one. Ed Brubaker and Brian Hitch, I believe, doing that book. It was like a little mini-series that tied into the Ed Brubaker long-running Cap. Era. Right, where Cap had been dead, but turns out he was just shot through time or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whatever, whatever also happened to Batman at a similar time. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, Return of Bruce Wayne, which I bought because it had Batman on the cover dressed up like a, a caveman. Hey, I was just like, I got to buy this. And then I read it and I was just like, I don't understand any of this. I thought oh, you were for the pirate Batman in those buccaneer bat boots. <laughs> Nothing makes me feel dumber than a Grant Morrison comic. I just feel so stupid. I'm like, I have a high school degree. I have a college degree. I studied, like, English literature. I, sh- I should be better at this. Right. Yeah, I bought that one million in omnibus format. It's just holding up a door now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think you can make sense of it. <laughs> that Captain America book sold 193,000 copies. I, I get all these numbers from Comicron, which is a great analytics website for comic sales run by john jackson miller who's written quite a few comics he shepherded a lot of star wars comics from dark horse and did some marvel in the early 2000s number two selling book blackest night number one 176,000 copies yeah that was oh man green lantern where the biggest thing to happen in the last 50 years has been roy fighting biv with g in the middle <laughs> It's not, it's not wrong. <laughs> what was number three, George? Number three was Batman and Robin by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. That oh, sold 117,000 I still copies. need to read that. Oh, That's that a... was also good, though. That was Dick Grayson was Batman at the time. Yeah, An image that's three. been shared a lot recently, thanks to um, James Gunn talking about future DC movie plans. It's a secret shame of mine that I haven't gotten around to reading that, but I've wanted to. It's been not, I put it on the top of my repile several times, and then something ends up getting put on top. So if Dick Grayson was Batman, who was Robin? Damien. Damien, Damien Wayne. Ah. <laughs> 
This is right after Bruce Wayne had been shot through time by Dark Knight. <laughs> shot through the time! Yeah. Which was different when Captain America was shot through the time. Totally. <laughs> Both of them playing Billy Pilgrim there. They become yeah. unstucks in the times. The rest of the top ten, it's all DC and Marvel in the top ten. It got Amazing Spider-Man 600, Incredible Hulk 600, Captain America 601, Green Lantern 43 and 44, because those were tie-ins to Blackest Night. And then closing out the number ten, which has shocked me, Ultimatum number five. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Is it, did the wave hit? The wave had hit. Was the wave had hit at that point. Had Blob think, eaten all the people? I think Blob <laughs> had eaten Wasp. I think someone was about to break someone else's neck because of what they did. Oh, man. Look at you holding back the spoilers for a story from 20 years ago. <laughs> I, I was so mad. Oh, it's just like, oh, it's drawn by David Finch and written by Jeff Loeb. I like both those people. They're pretty good at their jobs. Let's check this book out. <laughs> Didn't love it. Right. And I got I got some more numbers for you. So everything was DC and Marvel until 31 on the single issues. Then it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer number 26. That sold 55,000. And then I just wrote down some other titles just because I like some of these books. This is when Wednesday Comics debuted. Okay. Oh, that's great. This was uh, War of the Kings was going on. Gotham City Sirens just hit issue number two, which was the Paul Dini Guia March, where it was like all about Harley and Poison Ivy and I believe Catwoman, but it was just focusing on like the, the bigger women of the Bat family. I have not read that. I'll have to check that one out. And just some more numbers, just because these things are like popular now. Uh, Boys, issue 32, hit 25K. That was the number 78 selling book. Star Wars Invasion, a, a mini event that I actually like quite a bit, starring the Yuzhan Vong. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. That was book number 80 with 24K. Angel was number 84, 24K. Boys, Herogasm 3, 22K. Look at that. Those are like pretty much the only... Indie book seems disingenuous, but the only like non Marvel and DC books to crack the top 100. So this was a summer dominated by the big two. Yes. And, and, and mysterious polyp didn't even chart. A serious polyp charted on the graphic novel sales. Okay. To be fair, graphic novels didn't sell a whole lot at this time. I think boys volume four was like the number one selling graphic novel this month with like 20,000 copies, 22,000 copies, something like that. Mysterious Polyp was the number 72 selling graphic novel of July 2009. And I wrote down the exact number. I didn't round it. It was 1,467 copies. Jeez. Now, do you reckon that that's just down to distribution issues? No, it shouldn't be because this was published by Random House, which was like an actual big like publisher that had access. Like this should have been in airports, you know, this should have been in bookstores. This should have been. At the end of the shelf, like at, at right, you at would have thought Barnes that you walk into like a Barnes and Noble and there's a stand there with the, mm-hmm. you know new books. Trust me, I read this in a Barnes and Noble. It was there. <laughs> uh, so it, it could have been could have been 1468, but someone just had to read it in the store. Chad, that's right. Hey, I <laughs> very poor. Well, in any case, we're gonna get to our review of uh, a serious polyp right after these commercial breaks. Thanks you so much for all those factoids and statistics, George. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you're always uh, checking out short box summaries so you can get those uh, statistics every single week. So he does that awesome work on his show. Here is a serious polyp right after these messages. 
Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast in their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Cartoon Dumpster Dive. I'm your host, Joel. And I'm your host, Andrew. Join us as we travel back in time to watch the garbage cartoons from your past. Will you remember them? Maybe. We painstakingly watch every episode of these cartoons to remind you that, hey, Some things belong in the past. Our pain is your entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for the Read Pile Review. Yes, that time of every single show, instead of getting dates, we're going to stay at a comic book shop and talk about a comic book. So, (laughs) I mean, I got a date later on. I mean, you heard my wife. Like, if I don't come up with something, it's coitons. I'm hanging out with Chad and Jay over a charcuterie board. If this isn't a date, I don't know what is. (laughs) We love the cheese. <laughs> Any case, we're reviewing Asterius Polyp on this week's show, and it's a, it's a book that I've wanted to cover on the last comic shop for some time, just simply because, to George's point on the previous segment, I don't think a lot of people know about this book. And that's a real shame, because it's real good. Uh, any case, uh, Chad, uh, who wrote and drew Asterius Polyp? Okay, so this was written and drawn by David Mazzuccelli. Who you might know from uh, the best of Batman and Batman Year One, or the best of Daredevil and Daredevil Born Again, or the fact that this book won the Los Angeles Times Book Prize in 2009, or won the Eisner Award for Best Graphic Album in 2010, won the Harvey Award for Best Graphic Album, Best Single Issue or Story, Best Letterer. Oh, I should mention, Mazzuccelli took the Best Writer, Artist, and Best Lettering for Asterius Polyp. Uh, it's won a number of other awards, and Mazzuccelli himself, because he's so good at this thing, currently an Eisner Hall of Fame member. Yeah, just last year, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and uh, with, again, work like this and Born Again and Year One, just those three books alone, I think that's... Bill and Ted's Excellent Comic, number two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Any case, Jay, what's the 10 cents about? So uh, the title character is Asterius Polyp, and he's a professor of architecture at a, at a, I think it's Cornell in upstate New York. And lightning strikes his apartment building and burns it down, burning everything there. He escapes the apartment. He gets on a Greyhound bus and goes out into the world, the farthest place that his money will take him on this Greyhound bus. And essentially then the novel tells the story of his life in this town. And I think it's in Arizona where he becomes a car mechanic. But at the same time, you get all these flashbacks to his life growing up and becoming, uh, you know, a Cornell professor and meeting his wife. It's, it's a loosely based off the Odyssey and it kind of deals with the idea of duality and, you know, how do we become who we are you know, destiny versus free will. And there's lots of other things that we're going to unpack. But essentially, he's sort of 
going through, you know, how does he deal with who he is to become a better person, I guess, in the end. Yes. I mean, somebody commented there like, why are you reading that on Valentine's Day? And I was just like, dude, the whole book's about romance. Like, it's about a love affair. It's a love affair between him and his wife. You learn uh, his wife, Hannah, and how they, they met each other and their relationship. That relationship came to an end and how it kind of crushed him and how he became a better person by losing an eye. Like Odin, gaining wisdom. That's my... <laughs> this book is incredibly deep. And uh, we're going to kick it over to George, because this is the first time that he's read the book. And I think you've, you're gushing about this, right, George? This is going to be like the new gift I give people like for Christmas. <laughs> like when I don't know what to get someone and like I know they have like a faint interest in comics. They're like, oh, like you follow comics. Like, oh, that's that's quaint. That's adorable. What <laughs> should I read? Like, I think this is going to be the new like stocking stuff or like default gift. Like, I thought this story was beautiful and I'm like a little disappointed I, I didn't hear about it sooner. Chad, you mentioned all the awards and like the hardware that uh, Dave Masticelli took home because of this. Sometimes awards are wrong. <laughs> like I'm I'm still mad that like the artist won best picture like that doesn't make sense to me you know or like oh Martin Scorsese won for The Departed but not Raging Bull or Goodfellas like sure okay that doesn't make sense at all but I guess you're still an authority it makes perfect sense that it won every award. This is a beautiful story. And like David Masticelli, like you said at the top, you hear that name, you immediately think of year one. You think of Born Again. Reading this book is like finding out like, wait, this guy has like a whole other pitch that I just wasn't aware of. You know, it's like someone who's just like, oh, he, he has a nasty slider. And like, that's all he does. That's how he strikes people out for years. Then all of a sudden finding out like, wait, when did he learn how to throw a curveball? Like, when did when did this happen? I could have had a thousand years to to guess who drew this book. I don't think I would have ever guessed David Masticelli. It's a complete mastery of art just for him to throw out his established style and do something so distinct and beautiful and cohesive and clear. <laughs> like this, it, it's I'm I'm stunned by this book. Oh yeah, and and this is just your first time through. This is one of those books that the more you read it, the more you're going to pick up and the more you're going to notice and. You, you hit the nail on the head. It's definitely a, a master's class in comic bookery mm -hmm. uh, for reasons we'll talk about, I'm sure, as the show goes on. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, not to tee it up, but the reason I found out about the book is because of Chad and this story that he tells oftentimes about how this book changed your viewpoint on how you view the world, right? Yeah. So and the, the too much personal information about me, I'm a school teacher. Uh, which is awesome because every year I get a chance to try to influence the future uh, and I get a whole bunch of new kids to, to learn and work with. And this is one of those books. Um, it just, it changed the way that I see things and you can't say that every day about a Batman book or whatever, mm -hmm. but uh, there, there's a, a passage in here where it talks about, you know, what if reality is just an extension of yourself and wouldn't the way that people are, you know, color how that person experiences the world. And then it proceeds to show a serious polyp as like this teacher who's trying to influence other people. And he's drawn in a way that in my mind is how to draw comics the Marvel way where he's broken down into the basic shapes of the human body. You can see the cylinders, you can see the, the squares, you can see where his belt is and all that other stuff. And every student is, is composed of uh, different shapes. Like some of them are, you know, like Asterius. Some of them are made of letters and some of them are made of black globs and some of them are made of little ooey gooey art things. And some kids are made of little, little swirls. And I, 
but all these people have all these different designs to them, and that's how they shape the world. And Mazzuchelli will do that throughout the book, where, you know, different people, based on, you know, how they perceive the world, that's how they're drawn. And we talk about this love story. You have uh, Asterius, who's this guy. He's made out of these basic shapes, and then his eventual wife is made out of a totally different section he's the the blue lines and she's like the red lines that fill in and give uh weight and give uh, mass to things and as they fall in love those shapes come together and you see the outlines of the people along with the weight and the mass and you know it becomes that greek ideal of the people coming together and oh my goodness is that's not a beautiful way to express love in comic books i don't know what it is and when that's happening in the book, it's it's all during that discussion about him recording. He has all these video cameras in his house, and he's explaining why, you know, that his brother died at, at birth. So he feels like the videos are sort of like his brother watching over him, and it's like a video doppelganger. And then the wife freaks out, but then she's like, oh, it's kind of like the Egyptian tombs or the, uh, the Chinese emperor where it's uh, – a shadow of the living world. And as that she's saying that, they become whole. They go from being red and blue, which is, by the way, uh, what you use when you're doing that old-style 3D. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and then it, it becomes whole, as, as Chad said. And then as they, as they fall out of love in their arguments, they separate back into their original shapes. And, like, that is so heartbreaking. Like, this thing that was wanted, it separates out, and then he goes back to his... There's there's so many little nuggets of, of of goodness in regards to the you know the relationship between people. There's a there's a comment at some point that like you know if you really think about you know Adam and Eve and how Eve was made from a- Adam's rib, that means that she's basically a twin or a clone because she shares the same DNA. Like that they're not because they were basically one person and and and. I, I don't know, like, there's so many of those little things in this book that make you think. When you break down a book like this, we tend to go to to the story a lot. But the art is quite striking, and the coloring, I love the coloring because it's quite subdued. It's just, you know, lots of blues and purples, and and a lot of stuff is left uncolored. Faces are left uncolored. The two people standing against a white background, there's no sense that he felt like he needed to fill in where they were taking place. You don't see a lot of environments. Good use of negative space and silhouettes. I thought that was interesting that he used a lot of silhouettes. Instead of drawing the people out, you would just see, you know, a page or two of silhouettes talking to each other. They talk a lot about duality. Like, that's a huge theme of the book, right? Just, like, the the two sides. And I'm sorry for bringing up a movie and a comic book podcast, but, like, did you guys, (laughs) have you ever seen Bull Durham? (laughs) Like, when you're younger, that's, like, a baseball movie, right? And then the older you get, you realize, like, oh, no, baseball is, like, literally just an excuse to talk about everything else. It's about that. It's about a person just, like, trying to reconnect, find the thing that made them happy and whole and, and get that back and learn about themselves. But like every page, especially like Ursula is like one of my favorite characters. Yeah. The, yeah. The, right. The, the wife of the mechanic, every page was just like dripping with so much wisdom. Like I'm, I'm 32, you know, like I'm not pretending I've seen everything and understand everything, but I was on the edge of my seat anytime she was on panel. And I know for a fact, if I were to meet that person in real life, I would not like them whatsoever. <laughs> but something about the way David Mazzuchelli drew her, it was just like, 
brimming with confidence and brim, brimming with self-assuredness. And it was just like, oh, this is like a voice I don't have in my real life. So I'm going to double down and, and listen here. Uh, right. No, she comes across really, uh, you know, the way that Dave Malicelli uh, draws her in this book. It's almost like that quintessential kind of like Earth Mother. You know, she's ample of bosom, like, I don't know, that she could give birth to the universe. And as a result of that, you kind of, you know, when she starts talking about, oh, I've lived pet previous lives and, you know, we're out of touch with certain things and that she guesses that Asterius had been married before and that's what he's running from. I think everything in this book is done very, very much on purpose, which is which is wonderful. Like from the designs of all the characters, from some of the particular pieces that they talk about. Again, the, there's a there's a comment at the end where the, he, he drives back to find his lost love and he could have any car in the world, but he wants the car that runs on sunlight. That's going to lead his way back to where he's supposed to be in his in his life and it can't be any other way for him and i think that's it's striking uh but the other thing that's interesting about this is the randomness it is true to life but like his his quest starts because lightning strikes his house like the gods bringing down you know and i think he even talks about that about how the ancients used to make all their gods people because then people could just be supporting characters in the gods plays that imagery is mimicked later in the story, too, because, like, Hannah is working on that play Orpheus, and the story of Orpheus is about, like, a musician who goes down to hell to to find his the love of his life who passed away, and Hades is like, you know what, your love is so cool, I'm going to let you do this, but uh, here's the deal, you have to walk all the way back up to Earth, and if you look back once, it, like, none of this, none of this flies, like, she's just going to come back here. We see that story like play out again during his divorce papers, right? Like when right. He, when he gets handed those, which were also like bestowed down by the gods, right? Like the same way the lightning bolt at the beginning was, like that started the fire. And then he's not looking at the bar when he's seeing the Radniks, right? Is that the band right. that's playing? Yeah. yeah. He's not looking, and then he gets called the homophobic slur repeatedly. Not looking, not looking, not looking. Then he looks, and then that's when he gets glassed by that guy. Yeah. And so it's all these... Uh, wow! All, all these you know what? Top that's, of the, that's the first time I realized that, George, is that it's a play on the Orpheus, that he looks... It's not until he turns around that, like, the back, like if he had kept on looking forward, that, that probably wouldn't have happened to him. But as I said, like he gains a lot of wisdom in losing that. That's that's the moment that pushes him to say, like, I'm done. Like my quest mm. here is finished. I am now ready to go back to Hannah and all the stuff that he learns. My favorite part of his time in Arizona is actually when he builds the treehouse. Because it's the first time when he actually built one of his designs and it wasn't really even his. It was, it was, uh, his buddies. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and cause that's a big plot point. He's an architect, but he just teaches it. He never actually, none of his designs are ever built. He wins all these awards for something that's and in the air, but there's no, nothing solid about it. And finally he helps his friend build something solid and he, you know, he's, Instead of it just existing in his mind or existing on paper, it's actually existing in reality. It's being built in reality, uh, which leads me to I still think there is there's this idea that there's, you know, there's sort of this amoral whim of the gods type thing, you know, going back to the Odyssey and Homer. It starts out essentially with a lightning bolt. 
my question, because I don't want to give it away, but the ending, what was your reaction to the ending? Because I laughed. <laughs> it made me laugh. And it like a good hearty, oh, that is so good. That is so perfectly perfect. <laughs> and then it got even better when the kid said, looks in the sky you know after that fact mm-hmm. i was like yes maybe that's just me and i and i and well, i like I, this i i'm of the opinion that it's like the sam and diane thing right like once they get together and you have the the resolution of that relationship you don't really care what happens next you don't really care what happens to Asterius and hannah whether they live happily ever after or not you just wanted to see them reconcile and they sit there quietly and they don't say anything and they just say this is nice and that's the end of their story like that was they, they came back together they had that intertwining of dialogue oh the word bubbles that oh, are beautiful like, yeah. oh my god one of my favorite pages especially like seeing them because like when they were they were telling some story before right he had like straight edged words and she had rounded words that would make sense thematically based on a different conversation they had but that's beside the point but it's just like it was so awkward to read because it was just like different lettering types and different like bubbling types and the conversation was so start and go and it just like i could feel like secondhand awkwardness like from them trying to stumble through the story together and then the fact that like their story just became one as they were both like finishing each other's sentences and continuing the story in perfect cadence. Oh, it's just beautiful, man. It was just so good. <laughs> yeah. It, like that, that bubble at the very end where it's like, it has the square border. It has the rounded border. They're both talking at the same time and everything's in harmony. Oh my goodness. You're right. But then after that happens, like who cares? Like they, they that's the end of the story. So good. good. I don't need to, have to worry about anything else. They I, had their moment. I disagree. Like, I think it plays into, like, the randomness of everything. And it's actually not that random because it was, like, inadvertently referenced earlier in the yeah, story. The seer but, like, about. I also feel like we already cathartically got that moment when he was glassed. Oh. Like, I feel like that was the thing that happened at the end. But it had already happened. I, I, I know spoilers, but I don't want to give away the whole thing. Because, like you said, not a lot of people have read this book. Right. That's, that's a, true. That's, that's very true. <laughs> like, yeah, More you people can't need live to the duality it. when he only has the one eye. Oh, oh, damn it. Damn it, I didn't even think about that, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Any case, uh, what we hope that you uh, stick around for is our ratings right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. What if you could live with your favorite fictional characters and have a place to connect with the best nerdy neighbors and creators out there? Join us on your friendly neighborhood comic show. Every week, we keep hope, give help, and share comics with all. With games, interviews, and more, this isn't your average talk show. It's a living neighborhood. We are honored to be your CBC comic book community award-nominated nerdy neighborhood. So what are you waiting for? Come join the fun and join the neighborhood. It's your friendly neighborhood comic show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. We're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings. Yes, where we try to pair up a number value with a book that, I'll be honest, shouldn't really be rated because it's so good. 
That's what we do. That's what we do. And boy, this year has been like, it's been a treasure trove of good books. This is my year. This this (laughs) is my year. This is the year of Chad. (laughs) Not the summer of George, the year of Chad. (laughs) Sorry, George. This is my year, buddy. It's it's only February. I'll see you again in July. It's going to be fine. Okay. But in any case, one out of four scale, Jay, what is it for this week? So this book, a loose play off of Homer's The Odyssey. So we're talking about whims of the gods. So one out of four whims. <laughs> Have fun with that one. <laughs> yeah, whims. Whims. <laughs> Do you say cool whims? <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Why are you putting the emphasis on the W? Any case, um, J.A., why don't you go first? What did you think of this book? I've been wanting you to read this for a long time. Did you like it? I think any book that has the protagonist driving around in a Saab SPG is going to be for me. (laughs) That was my car when I was uh, in college and uh, out in the world before I moved abroad. And David... Mazzuchelli obviously drove a Saab at some point, too, because there's no other reason to put a Saab. I mean, you could just have any car, but it's definitely a Saab SPG, not just any Saab either. Uh, So, yeah, it's a four out of four. It's great. Um, It's nuanced. It deals with the ideas of who who you are and what makes you who you are. As we've all said, and I think you've gotten to the sense of has been been talking it's something that you can reread and peel another layer into. So every time you're reading it, you're pulling something else out or you're seeing something else. It's a great book, I think, to George's point, to gift to somebody who is maybe interested in comics a bit, but they don't know what they like. It would be a great book to have on a book club because the discussions that you could pull out of this are incredible. So four out of four, whims. All right. George, what's your rating? I'm a huge fan of the show, The West Wing. And there's one episode where Jed Bartlett, the president, is so pissed that he has to go see some musician. He's just like, oh, God, like, what does this person have to offer me? And then he comes back and there's like one scene where he's smoking a cigarette because that was (laughs) Jed's like secret thing. And he has this line where he's just like, I honestly didn't know I could still be surprised by music. And so this book, like it. It felt like I was 12 years old and like seeing like a Wes Anderson movie for the first time. Like, I just didn't know it could be done like this, you know, like this was, I don't want to say a transformational experience for me, but if it wasn't, then it's the closest it could have been. This book is fantastic. It is four out of four wins. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, It's definitely a four out of four. Um, This is, I honestly think this is required reading uh, for anybody that either, doesn't like comic books or likes comic books. It's just like, it's just a good book. And Dave Mazzuchelli hits it out of the park with just the, the, the visuals, the language, the design of this book, Chad, I mean, you know, there, there's even design around the front cover, right? Heck yeah. I was doing the research on Wikipedia. I saw a quote where they were talking about the cover of the book and in the hardback, they have the, the little dust jacket, but the dust jacket is designed not to fit the book itself, to reveal the forms underneath of the book. And they asked Masicelli why he did it. He's like, this is the most obnoxious thing I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's 
great. Yeah, it, there's so many things I could I, I could gush until the cows come home about how everybody should read Asterius Paula. But you heard, you know, George on this show. I mean, I, I, I recommended George read this and you saw the effect. So, yeah, it's a four out of four. Go read it. Recommend it to other people. J, uh, Chad? Yeah, so as I said, this is my year. I'm claiming this one, too. <laughs> Uh, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, uh, the people that know me know I'm uh, I'm an incredible dink. Uh, just really obnoxious sometimes, and I can personally relate to Sirius Polyp and the way that he he views the world in these black and white terms. And sometimes I get lost in in ideas like that, or like when he's talking about the essence of a shoe. Like that's me. I'm the guy that's out there looking for for the shoe that represents the essence of shoe. And there's the scene where he and his wife are driving past and a car had just hit a deer and uh, Asterius is looking at the car and the car crash and his wife is looking at the deer and they're both having two simultaneously different reactions to the same moment. You know, their perception of that moment is you see it on the page for me, like it's one of the things I love about my wife. Like as much as I'm a pretentious dink, my wife is someone who's so empathetic and it's the thing I love the most about her. She's the one that's focused on the deer and the harm to the animal. And what's that, that empathetic side of things when I'm like, Oh, that that's going to be a costly repair for that automobile. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, I talked about earlier, those pages that changed my viewpoint as a teacher. Like when I come in a, a brand new school year and I, I am, I, I, I'm introduced to this brand new crop of kids every year. But since I've read this book, I, I see the kids differently. I, you know, you can see the kids that are the wavy line kids. You can see the kids that are the harsh angles. You can see the kids being constructed of all these different forms. And that's not something I had a language for before this book. And Mazzuchelli is just such a master whether it is, you know, the printing techniques and he's using a lot of uh, yellows and cyans and magentas and those are like your primary printing ink colors and he's blending them in and he's pulling them out, blending them in again. There's just so much in here that, you know, I've read this again and again, whether it was the first time in Barnes & Noble years and years and years ago or whether it was on our old show when I recommended this for your wife, Nicole, to read. Yes. uh, Or whether it was here and I read it over break right before I had my big accident in my house where, you know, instead of lightning strikes, it was a pipe bursting and all my possessions are flooded (laughs) and I'm destroyed. I'm wandering around with my little Swiss Army knife and not much else. Oh, my God. Uh, This book speaks to me so much and I, I love it. And, oh. Yeah, uh, for whims. Oh, boy. Real quickly, Chad, if you were to, you're ranking this and Mr. Miracle. Ah, no, you don't do that. (laughs) You don't do that. In the year of Chad, Chad never has to choose. I still say, by the end of this year, we've got so many fours, we're going to have to rank the fours. We're going to have to come on the show and rank the fours. Definitive, plant the flag. As to what was a four that was better and slightly better than another four. I can't pick. But it, they're all things that speak to me. They're all things that belong in the year of Chad. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that we hope is also in the year of Chad is some great recommendations. Yeah, some other books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop in addition to Asterius Polyp. Now, I will say. That if you go to a comic book shop and they have copies of Asterius Polyp there, that is a cool comic book shop. You get your pool pile there. Because that's a place that knows good stuff. 
And as George alluded to, this was not a huge seller. And so this is something, if you're going to find it on that secondary market, if you see it, you pick it up because it doesn't come around a lot. And it's something that definitely deserves to be in your collection. If you are an artsy fartsy English major, or if you are somebody that loves comic books, or if you are just somebody who, who enjoys good stuff, make sure if you see a copy, you don't sleep on it. All right. Yeah, but just to that point, um, because it's it's put out by a, an actual book publisher, uh, Pantheon Books, through Random House, yeah, they do put out new printing because it's on its sixth printing already, and uh, it has now sold over 40,000 copies. So it's starting okay. to get out there th- after Good. the initial slow uptake. Mm-hmm. So, I don't I mean, know. 40,000 is still a low number. That's like yeah, it's not a great, but, Force I mean, 37. <laughs> but – Again, uh, if you can't find it in your comic book shop, you might be able to find it in your local bookstore or on uh, the Amazon. There you go. Well, what's another book that they can pick up, J.A.? So, uh, seeing that it is the Valentine season, I am going to recommend something I haven't read yet, but uh, just the names and the the little blurb alone makes me want to read it. So much uh, of romance is about the mystery, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Actually, I, there's this great quote this. I saw about uh, somebody with a library full of unread books. He said, a library full of unread books is potential. A library full of all books that have been read is depressing. <laughs> because, so what's this book? Uh, okay, Matt Fraction, Chip Zdarsky, Sex Criminals. Ah, so yes! this is essentially, yes, John and Susie have struggled with a tra- strange superpower. When they orgasm, it stops time. So when they sleep together, they learn that they can share this time bubble, and then they immediately start using this power to rob banks and prank evil corporations. But they've got to look out for the sex police. Yes. That's the write-up. And it just sounds well, bonkers crazy and fun. You're you're absolutely correct. This is one of the best books. It's in my top ten over the last at least ten years. Is it going to make the year of Chad? It, 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 I don't know. We might have to end up reading Sex Criminals just because Chad loves that book, too. He's the one that introduced it to me. Uh, not only if you're going to read Sex Crim- Criminals, you also have to make sure that you pick out its companion book, Just oh. the Tips. Oh, I got that one of those humble bundles. It is the most disturbing yet hilarious thing it I've is, ever seen. It is, but it truly, at the at, at its core, even though it's got a very raunchy title, it is about a relationship between two people. Two people that think that they're the only people in the world that are like this. And then they find somebody else that's like them. And they're like, oh my gosh, like... I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, and and those people are judging the one. And those people, they're judging them. <laughs> <laughs> George, have you ever read Sex Criminals? I have read the first trade paperback of Sex Criminals. Ah. Yeah, which is incredible because Adarsky is like an incredible author these days. You know, like he's, he's best. He's writing Batman right now. He's writing Daredevil right now. But the fact that he was slinging pencils on a book for, for Matt Fraction, who... No slouch either, yeah. as, far, as far as writers go. Right. So if you're a fan of, uh, what, uh, Chip Zdarsky's new book, Public Domain, Public I think Domain, he does the yeah, art, art for that and and the writing for that. So uh, an, an opportunity for you to see Chip Zdarsky uh, working with another writer. You can definitely tell that Chip had 
his hand in crafting this particular tale just based on his humor and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, great pick, J.A. Yeah. Not for the kids. Not Caution for the that kids. One, but but uh, J- uh, Chad, what's your pick this week? All right, so we're reading this book and it's all about the you know ideals of things. And so I thought I would go all the way back to the platonic ideal of a hero that uh, David Mazzuchelli has worked on before. And that is the ideal daredevil. Now, this isn't even my favorite Daredevil, but if you ask people who is the ideal Daredevil uh, writer and artist, you're going to come to the Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen Daredevil run, which basically redefined the character, made him a ninja. Who saw that coming? Uh, Introduced Elektra. And so recently, uh, at the end of January here, uh, they re-released, because it's been out of print for a minute, the uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen Daredevil Omnibus that features Daredevil 158 to 161, and then 163 to 191. So you get the whole Electra saga in there. It also includes the what if and a couple of different interview pieces, uh, all collected in, in one form. It does not contain the Miller Mazzuchelli uh, Daredevil board again. There was a different omnibus, the Daredevil by Frank Miller omnibus, that has that story and some other, like the spectacular Spider-Man issues and things like that. That one has yet to be reprinted, so that one is pretty pricey. This one, as of the time of recording, uh, you can still find on discount from a couple of places, or you can find it at your local comic shop. But if you want to know what Daredevil is and the essence of Daredevil, read the Frank Miller Daredevil omnibus. There you go. George, what's your recommendation this week? My recommendation is Essex County Trilogy by Jeff Lemire. Ah! Hockey! Hockey, Canada. Hockey, eh? I couldn't stop thinking about that book as I was reading this one. Um, I think Serious Polyp is all about, uh, as we mentioned before, duality. I think Essex County Trilogy is all about patterns and and repetition, because it's the story of this one family in Canada uh, across several generations. And um, much like this book, written and drawn by the same person, and not that there aren't amazing collaborative teams out there, I think it is so fascinating to get a cohesive vision from a writer-artist. And Jeff Lemire has such a unique look where he, it's, it's like literally just black inks and gray washing. Much like this book is for me now, like that feels like a book that is different every time you read it. Pretty good pick, George. Yeah, my actually my favorite part of the Essex County is is the boxing club story. Oh, the other backup, yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually I, I do love that boxing club story. Is we read that? Is that the one where there's at the end he had those sketches of all the different noses and things? Oh yeah, over time. Yeah. Actually, have that. If you ever want to listen to the last comic shop's review of Essex County, make sure that you're checking that out in our archives. My recommendation this week is actually another in the long line of graphic novelizations of famous works. As you might know, on the last comic shop, we've done this in the past, and I, I'm actually a big fan of this because, uh, like Classic Illustrated, if you have an opportunity to Put pictures with words. Sometimes it's more digestible. And you can actually uh, enjoy some of these great uh, literary treasures out there. And and again, the visuals can kind of add to that. And so uh, whether it was Slaughterhouse-Five, which we did on this show, whether it was Dune House Atreides, whether it was 1984, another one in that great uh, tradition is a 
graphic novel adaptation of Margaret Atwood's classic, The Handmaid's Tale, art and uh, by uh, Renee Nault. It is an absolutely gorgeous book. And uh, again, I, I don't know if it tells the entire story of Offred in the world of Gilead as it is in the book, because I, I never read the book. But I, I can say this, that I got the complete story of her tale of, of being, you know, assigned to the to one of the, the leaders of the party, you know, all the things that happened to her in regards to long story short, you should know what the handmaid's tale is. I don't have to explain it on this show. Just watch the show on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Watch that. Because as I was sitting there reading this, my wife looks over to me and goes, can I keep that after you're done with it? And I was just like, yeah, you should read this. But it's it's wonderfully drawn, and the, the art is, and the use of color is fantastic. And I just got to say, if you've never read The Handmaid's Tale, this is a perfectly good version to check out. So, yeah, kudos to Renee Nault for uh, putting this... Uh, this graphic novel adaptation together. You got a thing for red outfits? This is for you. Absolutely. Any case, if you've got a, a thing for the last comic shop, make sure that you're out there rate reviewing and subscribing at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can find all of our episodes, including some of the ones we've talked about on this week's show, like Essex County and Slaughterhouse Five and 1984 and. Did we do a Daredevil book? We did a Daredevil book with George! Yeah! That's right. We did uh, Brian Michael Bendis's Daredevil run. Under Alex Maleev. Yeah. And Alex Maleev. They they actually, I just picked up another book. It's on my repile stack by the two of them based on Mikey Wood, that Scarlet book. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, those books are good. I love that. I loved Pearl. I think it was Undercover. Was that like the David Mack? Bendis book. People dog on Bendis, man. Uh, that dude still got his fastball. I don't want to hear it. Like, he, the guy yeah. still turns out really entertaining books. Yeah. And uh, if you need uh, all kinds of awesome stuff to keep some of those great books in, make sure that you're getting out to bcwsupplies.com. It's a trip place where you can find all those bags, boards, boxes, clamshells, and uh, miscellaneous bric-a-brac that you might need for your collection to keep it looking nice. And if you want a little bit of a discount while you're getting those awesome comic book accessories, make sure you're using the code LCSPOD to get 10% off your order. Yes, that is LCSPOD over at BCWsupplies.com. If you need to find us out there on the socials, you can find us at Last Comic Shop uh, on Twitter, YouTube, all those other places where we are, in fact, being real. Uh, don't know where to go or get confused or just want to head back to home base, you can always go back to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where you can find what else, J.A.? We have a link to our merch store where this week, starting this week, we've got our special St. Paddy's Day t-shirt drawn by the wonderful Mikey Wood, who is a often guest host and contributor on our show, colored by yours truly. You can find that at our merch store. I think it looks nice on a green heather. Yes, it does. That's the default color, I believe. Better I'm saving my money for the last comic shop Bastille Day shirt. Um, so <laughs> just pocket those dollars until July. Hang in there. It's coming, and I bet it'll look great on a Heather. That's right. Uh. <laughs> and 
while we, along with great podcasts like Short Box Summary, hope to be the last comic shop podcast that you need. We don't want to be the last comic shop, so we encourage everybody to get out there, try to find your copies of Mysterious Polyp, go and try and find your copies of Sex Criminals, or Daredevil by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, or Essex County by Jeff Lemire, or The Handmaid's Tale by that lady in the red suit, what's her name? Renee Naltz. And support those shops, support the comic book field, and so you can get great art like we were talking about today. Yes, and other great art is Short Box Summary. George, tell them where they can find your show every week. You can find my show on your preferred podcast platform of choice every Friday. You can find me on Twitter at PurpleBird616. This week, <laughs> this week, uh, indie comic artist Richard Fairgray came on to talk about Batman Hush. And he also has a new memoir, graphic novel memoir called Octopus, a memoir of flailing uh, on Kickstarter, which I've backed. I'm very excited to hold that book in my hands. Richard is a very talented artist, very gifted writer. And uh, we talk about 2002, man. We go back to Batman Hush. And um, it's a book. It's a book. (laughs) (laughs) By Jeff Loeb with uh, Jim Leonard. Yeah. It's it's actually one of the books that got me back into comic books. I got that in hardback, that like deluxe hardback copy. I remember reading it in the Boston airport and being like, "Oh, this is this is a Batman comic book nowadays." Okay, I could I could do this, I guess. That was kind of where we landed. We're like, this isn't a very good Batman story, but if it's your first Batman story, it's the best first Batman story you could possibly read because it's just a tour of everything. Batman and bat adjacent, but man, are there some some potholes? <laughs> Do you think it would have been better had Jeff Loeb stuck with his traditional partner Tim Sale? Because wasn't that supposed to be one of their one of their books at one point? Or it does feel that? like a more out-of-time Batman story, so I think that would have been an interesting take. I do love Jim Lee. I don't think that was the problem. Maybe just injecting it into mainstream DC-ness was the problem. Yeah. Well, because it's what, Scott Williams is the, the inker who like usually yes. works with uh, Jim Lee. Um, yeah, I mean, like no one's bad at their job on this book. I just don't think it's like the best Batman story. Count your lucky stars, because the Batman run when I was in high school was the Azrael Batman Broken Back. Nightfall was fun. Night Quest was a little rough. Night Quest. I think Nightfall rips. I think that's a really good book. (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, in any case, uh, make sure that you're uh, rate reviewing and subscribing out to Shortbox Summary, as well as The Last Comic Shop. We'll be here again next week with our review of Ant-Man. Yes, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania drops later this week, and we will be here with not only an Ant-Man book, but also a review of that movie. So stay tuned for that. Until then, I was host with the most Andy Larson. I was joined by J.A. and Chad Smith and George from Short Box Summary. Thank you so much for stopping by the shop, George. Yay! And until next week, stay safe, stay geometrical. And remember that if you have a large bookcase and some of the books fall on your head, you have nobody to blame but your shelf. <laughs> no more cheese for you. Wow. Okay, okay. Y'all get out of here. It's time for John Mayer. My body is a wonderland. Ooh, can we come? No. <laughs>
Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.